Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. Good morning and uh, welcome to our Game Plan uh, message series, collection of talks where we've been uh, uh, just kind of trying to discern what God's will is for our life, how we can see it better and experience it in our own life. And uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Ryan, I have the honor of serving here as lead pastor and I want to welcome all of our first time guests, returning guests and those that might be watching online today. Um, let me hop in today with a, uh, a, a quick little um, survey question. How many of you guys have ever gone river rafting? Anybody ever go uh, river rafting? Yep. Yep. Um, uh, I used to love river rafting, and I am emphasizing that phrase, used to. <laughs> I used to love river rafting, and uh, it's partly because I almost died going down the river one time. Um, my, uh, my sister was a uh, tour guide down um, the uh, Okoy River in Tennessee. Don't know if you've done uh, that one or not, but the Olympics were held there in 1996. And, um, and so we got this bright idea as a family to, uh, to go down together. And so it was my dad, my stepmom, my two brothers, and my sister. And um, I don't know what your family dynamic is like, but we weren't really good at listening to our siblings. And so uh, it created quite an interesting experience for uh, my sister to be the tour guide telling all of us what to do. And, um, and so a little bit about the Okoy River. So where you, um, where you drop in, there's a, about a 30-foot waterfall that comes down and you're dropping in just thank God, on the other side of the, uh, the waterfall. And within the first uh, about 100 feet is a, a class four rapid called Grumpy's Ledge. And uh, Grumpy's Ledge got its name um, way back because uh, what they say is, is if you fall out at Grumpy's Ledge, the rest of your trip, you're going to be grumpy. You're going to be in a bad mood. And so um, so we drop in and, um, I don't remember who was positioned where, but I got both, you know, both sides were family members and my sister is, um, the guide and she is trying to get us into, um, the current that runs through, um, you know, the, the grumpy's ledge and the other little rapids that are there through the safe kind of, kind of channel through there. And, um, we weren't paying attention and we weren't doing what she was saying to do. And some were paddling and some weren't paddling and some were paddling very hard and some were like just tapping the water with, with it. And so um, the, the uh, boat was supposed to be straight on when we went down and we were, we were turning sideways and we hit that grumpy's ledge at about a 30 degree angle and um, flipped over. And we flipped over the top of it, and um, it had this hydraulic, which, which means that you had this massive amount of uh, water that was flowing over the rock, and there's this um, hole that is down underneath the water. And so the water would go over into the hole, and then it would, rot it would pull back up, and it just was like this... Um, 
this like circular, that's why they call it a hydraulic. The water was just circling, like the force was just insane. And so, um, so we fall over in the middle of that. And I just remember, um, I remember having no idea what was, what was top, what was bottom. I was just spinning all over the place. Um, I kicked something that I thought was a rock and then uh, later discovered that it was my stepmom's head um, that I kicked. And um, man, it was just crazy. Like everybody was yelling. Uh, the, there were people along the banks and they were throwing in the bags with the ropes trying to, to rescue us. And uh, I remember getting off, finally getting off to the side and, um, and my dad just talking about his experience. And uh, he said that he got stuck in that hydraulic and just kept fighting and fighting and fighting, trying to get out. And uh, it was so bad that he just, he just felt like that was his time, that he was going to die. And when he quit fighting, the water spit him out. And um, he came like that close to, to passing away um, that day. And, um, and I kind of look back at that and, and the lesson that I pulled from it, I don't know about you, but I'm all about learning lessons, try to learn it the first time so I don't have to keep repeating. But the lesson that I kind of pulled away from that experience is always follow the advice of your guide. Always follow the advice of your guide because they know the best way. You know, what's interesting about that story is that, you know, for us, before we dropped in, they had a... Um, they had a talk where they were talking about all the different dynamics of what to do, and none of us were really paying attention to what they were talking about because we didn't understand the danger that we were about to face, um, but my sister did. And so her entire job was to try to get us in the right position to be able to enjoy the ride, but to avoid all of the danger, but we just weren't listening. We obviously didn't obey. And uh, we had one of my worst possible experiences in life, but thank God we all survived and we made it, but I will never go down a river rafting experience um, ever again. But this week I was thinking um, about this and I was thinking, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we had like a, a guide like, um, like that uh, through life? Wouldn't it be cool like if in the different seasons of our life or the different areas of our life, we had somebody that could kind of, kind of guide us? Like, like maybe you're single right now and you're kind of in this season where you're dating and you hope to get married at some point. Like, wouldn't it be cool to have a guide in your life that, that could say, uh, not that one, not that one, not that one, yes, that one, you know, kind of point out. Uh, help avoid all the pitfalls, or um, maybe for those of us that are married in the room, you know, we get into this argument with our spouse, and and guys, right, right as we're with the words start coming out of our mouth, like like you act just like your, and then all of a sudden the guide steps in, is like, whoa, 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 you don't want to say that, you know, or. Uh, maybe it's with our, our decision-making that if we had a guide that would help us along the way because bad decisions can be costly in a lot of ways in our life. And uh, uh, when I was thinking about that this week, 
uh, doing a little research, um, here's what I stumbled across is that we make on average 35,000 decisions a day. A day, that's over 900 million decisions that we have to make in our lifetime. Now we all understand why we're so stressed all the time, right? Um, But wouldn't it be cool to have a guide in our life that could help us navigate all of those? And um, what if I told you today that we do? What if I told you today that, that we do have a guide that can help us navigate the decisions and the things that we face in our life. Look with me in Psalm chapter 32, verse eight, up here on the screens. The Lord says that I will what? I will guide you. And I love this part, along the best pathway. Along the best pathway for your life that I'm gonna advise you and I'm gonna watch over you. And How does God do that? How does God advise us and watch over us? He does that through the Holy Spirit. And we see Jesus's words in uh, John 16, 13, that says, when the spirit of truth comes, speaking of the Holy Spirit, that he's going to guide you into all truth, that he's gonna show you the way that he's going to help you to avoid unnecessary disaster in your life. He says he's not gonna speak on his own, which I think is is pretty cool, that he's only gonna speak what he's heard. What the Lord is saying is then funnels through the Holy Spirit into our lives and he finishes with this statement that he's gonna tell you about the future that he's gonna help you to be able to navigate the decisions of your life, that he's gonna help you to be able to find the best pathway for your future so that you can experience God's best in your life. And so today, as we kind of launch into week five of this game plan series, um, I wanna talk to you about another way, another thing that God uses to help us see his will for our life more clearly. Uh, A few weeks ago, I introduced to you the wall. And uh, here's what I said about the wall. To imagine on the other side is God's will for our life. That uh, all of us would love it if God would just show us a clear picture uh, of his will for our life. There was never any guessing involved whatsoever. Uh, But I would tell you, eh, wrong. It would scare you to death. If you knew what God had in store for you, it would scare you to death. That's why God reveals his will to us as a process, not just unveils it. And so um, God knew that our human nature would be to pursue his will over him. And so what he's done instead to require us to have some faith and to have a connection with him as he's given us this like spiritual window. He's given us the ability to catch a glimpse of what's on the other side, but to not see the full picture of it. And so a few weeks ago, um, we began to talk about what are some of the things that God uses to help us catch a glimpse of his will for our life. And so uh, we talked about the influence of others, We talked about how important it is for us to have the right people in our huddle, 
but who's in our huddle matters. And we need to have people that are gonna encourage us, that are gonna challenge us, that are people, we need some wise people that have, that have gone down the path that we're traveling and there are multiple exits down the road that can help us avoid some, some pitfalls and some dangers. We talked about last week, our life situations, and we talked about the story of Joseph and how God will oftentimes use difficult seasons in our life to help point us in the right direction. Uh, personal experience of mine was back in 2011. Um, I had been in um, full-time ministry for about 10 years and uh, had the desire to, um, to work with my dad to go. He owned a temporary staffing agency and I just had a desire to work with him and, and you know, do all that kind of stuff. And so we prayed about it and it was just something that I couldn't shake. And so we ended up leaving Florida, moving up to Tennessee and um, uh, with the, the desire that they were gonna retire and we would end up taking over the business. And I got three months into that and was miserable. I mean, miserable. And God used that difficult season in our life to redefine his call on my life. That I realized in that moment that, that I needed to be um, around people, helping them discover their purpose and helping them experience all that God has called them to do and to be. And, um, and it was out of that season that God opened the door for us to come to here, which was formerly Evangel Church back in 2012, um, and God used that in my own life to help me see his will more clearly. Well, today what I want to do is I want to talk about another thing that God uses. Um, this one's more of a person that God uses to help us see his will clearer. I want to talk to you today about the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I'll tell you this. Um, Andrea's prayers did work in the first service and this stayed up. So we'll see if uh, her prayers continue to work. Uh, but I want to talk to you today about the leading of uh, the Holy Spirit. If you got your Bibles, turn with us to 1 Samuel chapter 3. And uh, while you're making your way there, I've entitled today's message, Don't Ignore the Coach. Don't ignore the coach. So uh, turn to somebody, shake him a little bit, say, the coach is speaking. The coach is speaking. Come on, give him a good shake. It's 11 o'clock. We got to wake up a little bit. First Samuel chapter three, um, we find a really humorous uh, yet powerful story here about uh, a young boy, 12 years old by the name of Samuel, who initially struggled to be able to recognize God's voice in his life. I don't know about you, but I have had seasons where I've struggled to recognize God's voice in my life. And, um, and what I love about the story is his, his willingness to position himself properly in order to listen and obey. And as a result of him doing that, God used him in a mighty way to impact an entire generation uh, look with me in 1 Samuel chapter 3 again, starting in verse 1. Here's what Scripture says. That uh, meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli, who was his mentor, was the high priest. 
says, now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. And here's the reason why words from God were, were rare and visions were uncommon was back in that period of time, uh, the people had really taken their eyes off of God. They had turned their back to, to God's commands. And uh, in Judges chapter 17, it speaks of how people were doing what they felt was right in their own eyes. That it was all about what they thought was right. Kind of sounds a little familiar to the, the kind of my truth movement thing that we're seeing in our society lately, that, that you can kind of have your truth and you can have your truth and you can have your truth. And, and the Bible is just one of another truth. And, um, and what we saw in this period of time is that because people were living that way, the Lord began to withdraw the, his activity in their lives. And so we see in verse two, it says that one night, Eli who was almost blind by now, and this is interesting. We'll talk about it in just a second. But, but not only was he physically almost blind, but we're going to see in a few moments that he was also almost spiritually blind. Um, it says in verse 3 that the lamp of God had not yet gone out, um, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the Ark of the Covenant. Now watch this, verse 4. Suddenly, the Lord calls out Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up and he ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? And Eli's like, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And so he does. Then, verse 6, the Lord called out again to Samuel. Again, Samuel gets up and goes to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli said. Go back to bed. Anybody ever have a kid that just come, keeps coming in the room, right? Just go back to bed. And uh, I don't know about you, but we see this pattern here of God repeating himself and um, I don't know what your journey has been like and how close you've been to God through the different seasons, but I am, I am very thankful that God has no problem repeating himself. Like, no, I am so thankful that he has no problem repeating himself. I think God can be similar to um, this kind of situation. Um, I don't know if you've experienced it, but um, like we'll be at home and Andrew and I are talking about um, talking about like something we want to buy, whether it's shoes or pants or whatever, or something we want to buy. And, uh, and then you jump on social media and you start scrolling and all of a sudden you start seeing like all these ads for the things that you were talking about, right? That you wanted to buy. And, um, and I think God can be that way sometimes in our life, that when he's trying to get our attention, about something, when he's trying to speak something to us and we're not listening or we're distracted or we're ignoring, um, he has a tendency to, to repeat himself. Like, like, for instance, maybe God's been speaking something um, to you and then you come to uh, a church service like this and uh, there's something that's said in the sermon um, that is very similar to what you feel like God has maybe been saying to you, 
and then, and then you're driving around to work during the week and then you pass this like real big billboard and it's got the same phrase that you heard on a Sunday and what you feel like the Lord has been like laying on your heart, but you're like, is this you, God, or is it not? And then, and then you're listening to a song and in the song it uses the same phrase in there. Like God just has a way of trying to to get our attention by repeating himself over and over again. And that's what we see here with the story of Samuel. In verse seven, it says that Samuel didn't yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. And I, I kind of think this is, this is an interesting statement because um, Samuel was around the things of God. He was in the tabernacle. He was an apprentice in the tabernacle. He was around the things of God, but he couldn't recognize the voice of God. Isn't it true that sometimes in our own life, we can be around the things of God, but really struggle to have a deep personal relationship with God? Like it's one thing to come to church and check the box off every once in a while. It's one thing to wear the t-shirt or the bumper sticker, God is my, um, what is it, co- not co-pilot or whatever, um, which I would never put that on my car because I drive insane and I would be a bad witness for everybody. But, um, but, but sometimes that happens in our life that we can get so accustomed to being around the things of God that we never really allow him to do the things in our life. And, and we kind of see this with Samuel that he's, he's around the things of God, but he can't recognize the voice of God. And in verse eight, it says that the Lord then calls out to him a third time, a third time. And once more, Samuel gets up, goes to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realizes that it was the Lord that was calling the boy. And here's what he does. He connects the dots and he gives him some wise advice that we see in verse nine. He says, so he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel goes back to bed and then the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replies, Speak, your servant is listening. I love that. I love his, his heart, his willingness to, to receive and to be available to God. It says in verse 11 that then the Lord said to Samuel that I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. And here's what that shocking thing was. I had talked before about Eli physically being blind, but also spiritually blind, that, that Eli was the, the high priest and God was about to transition um, Samuel from apprentice to priest by moving Eli out of the picture so that God could fulfill his purposes in his people. You see, Eli being the high priest had two sons that didn't know God, but they were working in the temple. And here's what was happening. They were stealing some of the, the, the meat from the sacrifices. They were sleeping with some of the 
the women that were working in the tabernacle, and everybody in the community knew about it. And so when they brought it to Eli's attention, this is what he did. He scolded them for the behavior that they had, but he didn't make them stop. Like he got onto them, but he didn't make them stop. And he allowed their sinful behavior to continue. And because of that, what happens is God ends up removing his favor and anointing off of Eli and his family, and he places it on young Samuel. And we see in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 1, it says, And Samuel's words went out to all the people of Israel. I love that part too, because it was Samuel's willingness to to listen and obey that provided God the access. The access to not just speak to Samuel, but to speak through Samuel. And I think there's a big lesson for us to learn in that as it relates to God's will. And that is that that God's will for our life isn't about us getting what we want. It's about us partnering with God to do what he wants. And that's what we see in Samuel's life here. And so I wanna take a few more minutes and our worship team's gonna kind of prepare backstage, but I wanna take a few more minutes and I want us to look at, at three things that Samuel did that can help us recognize God's voice in our life so that we can see and experience his will more clearly. The first one is this, if you're taking notes, is we've gotta make ourselves available. That if we're going to recognize God's voice, we've got to make ourselves available. I don't know if you've ever been in this situation to where you've been talking to kids or a spouse or a friend or something, and and you're trying to get their attention and they're just not responding, right? They're just not, not listening. They're not paying attention. And, and, um, if you're anything like me, like your, your frustration level begins to like climb, right? You get frustrated when you're trying to talk to people and they're not listening and they're not paying attention. And over time, what ends up happening is you just kind of quit talking, right? And um, I love that God may in, a, in part get frustrated like that with us, but thank God he repeats himself, Right? Thank God that, that, that he repeats himself. And, and so what we see about making ourselves available is that if we're gonna do that, we've gotta do this. We've gotta slow down and we've gotta make time for God. That if we're gonna make ourselves available, the pace of our life, we've gotta slow down a little bit and make time for God. There's, here's three little quick practical ways for us to do that. One, is read the Bible. Read the Bible. And here's my challenge to you. Read one chapter a day. And then do what we do in every service where we ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Like, like sit down, whether it's in your car or on your phone or at your house on the couch. And, and please don't start in Genesis. Like, like, don't do that. Start in John. Start with the gospel. Start all about Jesus, right? And you start there and, and, and you ask the Lord, say, Holy Spirit, speak to me through your word today and then open 
and begin to read through and, and maybe something jumps out at you. Don't feel obligated to have to finish the whole thing. Like just have one of those moments or, or maybe you get through the chapter and then, and then you ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today through your word? Um, another thing that you could do is go for a walk and have some um, um, worship music. I've got a, um, uh, an album that I'm listening to now, this one that's um, uh, called Numa by Belonging Company. If you're kind of wondering, like, where do I start with worship music? What should I get? Like, get this one. Like, I have been listening to this nonstop on my Apple Music stuff. It has been amazing. The first song that we did today is from that album. Um, but just an amazing um, collection of, of worship songs and, and build you a little playlist and go take a 15-minute walk around the neighborhood um, listening to that and just allowing um, the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Or another really practical one is to join a small group. Like get involved, like move a step deeper than just attending on a Sunday, but become a part of a small group. It's full of people that nobody gets it all. Nobody's got all the right answers to, to the scriptures and the theological stuff. That's not what small groups are all about. It's about, it's about surrounding ourselves, like getting the right people, right, in our huddle that are pursuing the same things in life. And uh, is it scary to join a small group? Absolutely. But it's completely worth it when you get past that initial kind of shock a part of stepping into a room of people that, that you might not know. What you're gonna find is you're gonna find family there. And so if that's something you're interested in, you can stop by Connect Center on your way out and they can get you signed up. But first one that we gotta do that Samuel did, we gotta make ourselves available. The second thing is we gotta be willing to listen. Like isn't it one thing to, to sit down and make yourself available, but it's a whole nother thing to sit down and then open your ears and open your heart and just, and just listen. Like, I don't know if you've ever been out with somebody before or a date or a friend and all they ever do is talk about themselves. Have you ever, like, they just sit there, they're not interested in you. They're just, they just keep talking about themselves over and over and over again. And how often do we do that with God? How often do we say that we're gonna, we're gonna pray and then we spend the whole time just talking at God the whole time, talking at God? That if we're, gonna, if we're gonna be able to recognize his voice, to listen and obey, that not only do we have to make ourselves available, but we've got to be willing to listen. And so we gotta, we gotta maybe stop talking a little bit. I don't know if you know this, but it's impossible to talk and listen at the same time. But also, we got to reduce the noise around us, reduce the distractions. Like if we're going to make ourselves available, read the Bible, turn the news off, turn your phone to do not disturb, like, like reduce some of the distractions around us. Because here's why this is important. In Psalm 46.10, it says, be still and know that I'm God that there is a connection between the pace that we're living and the noise that surrounds us and our ability to truly know who God is and what his will is for 
our lives. So we gotta be available, we gotta be willing to listen. And then this is the big one. This is the big one that kind of catches all of us is this, we've gotta have the courage to obey. Not just be available and not just listen, but at some point you and I have to have the courage to obey. I was reading this week, Ephesians chapter four, and in this chapter, Paul gives this warning that maybe you've heard uh, from time to time. He gives this warning. He says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of times what happens is, is we take that phrase, And we associate it with the kind of songs that are sung in a worship service or how long the service lasts or whether certain spiritual gifts are evident here and there. But if you were to read Ephesians chapter four and see the context of what Paul is saying and his challenge to not grieve the Holy Spirit, what you'll notice is he's talking about the way that we live our life. He's talking about those that are in the room that call themselves Christ followers, that are pursuing after God, that that the way that we grieve the Holy Spirit is by not obeying and doing the things that God has called us to do. You know, for years and years, I saw that word grieve and I assumed that that word meant that the Holy Spirit got angry. Like it was almost like a, you know, almost like a harsh breakup and you just get angry and you leave and you don't talk again. And I started digging into that this week and what I discovered is that it doesn't mean anger at all. That that word grieve means a deep sadness. to think that fear and hesitancy and delayed obedience in our life could create a deep sadness in God's heart. Do you know why it's a deep sadness? Because the Holy Spirit is our guide towards God's purpose for our life. The Holy Spirit is the one that knows the dangers ahead. The, The Holy Spirit is the one that is constantly trying to get us into the right flow, the right stream of life so that we avoid the the potential pitfalls in our life. And the reason why the Holy Spirit has such a deep sadness when we don't obey, obey his written word and obey his spoken word in our life is because he knows that you and I are gonna have to walk through seasons that he didn't create us to walk through. But we're walking through it because of our lack of obedience. Friend, what would happen in our lives if we would just realize 
that obedience is the key that unlocks the door to God's blessing and purpose for our life. What would our life look like? What did Samuel do to recognize the voice of God? What did Samuel do to position himself so that God could use him greatly to impact an entire generation? He's willing to make himself available. He was willing to open his ears and to listen, to stop talking, but to listen. And he was willing to do the one thing that often keeps us from God's best in our life. Be obedient. Friend, if we only knew how much pain and difficulty we would miss in life, if we would lean in a little bit to the fear of the unknown and just say yes to God when he prompts us to do something. Would you bow your head with me today? I want you to take this moment as we do every week and I want you to to ask this question. Our prayer team is positioning in the prayer centers, but I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? What are you saying to me through this story of Samuel? Maybe for some of you, God is is helping you recognize that you may not have the resume, you may not feel like you have the talents. Samuel was 12 years old and had never really even known God's voice, yet God used him in a mighty way. Maybe the Holy Spirit is telling you in this moment that it's not about what you think you don't have, it's about the seed of potential that I've planted inside of you that I know you do have. Maybe for some of you today, the Holy Spirit is stirring in your heart and saying, listen, you're, you're running a, a pace in life that's not sustainable. And you can grin it and you can bear it for a little while, but the longer you do it, the more shallow and empty you feel. Maybe the Holy Spirit is saying, it's time for you to make yourself available again, or it's time for you to listen, to open your ears, to put you in an environment you can hear from God. Or maybe today. Maybe there's some of you that have walked through these doors this morning so far from God. Friend, it's one thing to have a desire for God's will for your life, but you'll never have it without God. He's not gonna give you his will without him. (laughs) It's a package deal. Not only does the Holy Spirit guide us in life, but the Holy Spirit also guides us to God. And if that's you today, and you feel like there's this massive gap between you 
and God. And today you're sensing the Holy Spirit stirring inside of you that it's time to close that gap, that it's time to come back to him. That's you today with every head bowed and eye closed. I want you to slip up your hand for just a second, just as a declaration to God that I hear you speaking and I'm ready to obey. Yep, I see the hands. Yep. Anybody else? All right, all eyes, heads bowed, eyes closed. Those of you that raise your hand, I want you looking at me real quick. I'm gonna ask you to do something that is a courageous step. But in just a moment, we're all gonna stand. And I'm gonna close this out in prayer. And what I want you to do is I want you to grab your purse, your stuff, your phone, whatever. And to my left and my right are our prayer stations. And I want you, when we stand and we go into worship one more time, I just want you to walk that way. Nobody's even gonna know. Everybody's gonna be standing. But I want you to walk that way and I want you to find one of our prayer partners and they're gonna lead you in a prayer today. A prayer to bring you back to God. And I'm telling you, it's gonna be the best decision you've ever made in your life. And I tell you that from personal experience. Church, would you stand with me today? Are you thankful for his word? Are you thankful for his presence that's here today? What would life be without God? I know I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't want it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.